We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. Another episode here for you on Friday. I'm Joe Pizzapia, and my guest host tonight is the one, the only from Rotowire, John McKechnie. Johnny McKex, what's happening, my brother? Oh, man, just uh, enjoying another good week here. The Orioles just uh, had a very weird series win over the Reds, a lot of really good pitching, so that was uh, an exciting little thing to add to the week. Uh, but, you know, I'm really getting excited about the NFL draft lat, uh, for next week, but you know I'm also pumped for for breaking down this slate for tomorrow. We are. The schedule came out last night for the NFL, so everybody's all hyped up for NFL, hyped up for the draft, but it's still DFS baseball time in this world, and that's what we're here to do. We're going to break it down for you. Kind of a weird night in pitching, so let's get right to it because you got some top-of-the-board guys, maybe one or two values, and then a whole lot of questions. So let's start with some of these big cash name game, uh, excuse me, cash game names. We've got John Lester, 10,600, top of the board against Adelman at Cincinnati. You got Jacob DeGrom at home against Washington, Corey Kluber at the White Sox, and Justin Verlander rounding out that grouping along with Cole Hamels, both 9,400. Detroit at Minnesota and Cole Hamels at home against Kansas City. Possibly some weather issues there, but let's break these down one at a time. Looking at this group, right away, the first name I go to is DeGrom because although it says Washington Nationals, you got Jason Worth dealing with an injury. You got Trey Turner injured. You got Daniel Murphy scratched last night. You got Rendon struggling. Basically, this is a, a team you offensively that's scuffling a little bit. Does that kind of play into DeGrom's hands a little bit here in tonight's matchup? I think absolutely it does. Uh, you know, you're, you're not getting the Nationals full Full strength lineup that you know ranks atop the majors in terms of weighted on base. You know you're getting sort of a, a uh, like an off brand version of that basically with all those injuries. So that that definitely plays into into uh, Degrom's hands and obviously Degrom, uh, rightfully so, one of the one of the top pitchers on this slate here. You know one eight nine ERA. You know several really good starts here. One kind of uh, clunker thrown in there, but you know 
58 in his last outing, so that, that's uh, definitely encouraging. Plus, he's going at home. So I think that, uh, he's certainly a name that jumps out to me. But I like, I like Kluber, I think, from, from this group. Um, All right. Go, tell me why. What is it about Kluber so far that uh, I know it's the White Sox, and I know that group is there, and I want to bring that up in a second. But what is it that you see in Kluber stat-wise or maybe just you know the work-wise you've done that looks like he might be worth that price tonight? Well, you know, obviously Kluber didn't have a particularly good outing last time out. He's kind of been hit by the uh, by the long ball this year. You know, he's he's given up five home runs already. You know, through three starts, I believe. So that that's a little bit alarmingly high. But the White Sox lineup is generally just so anemic. Uh, so I think you know that could kind of change the course as far as Kluber is concerned. They're White Sox are bottom five in terms of weighted on base, OPS, and home runs. Uh, so I think that this matchup is right for the picking. And, you know, uh, Kluber, I think we're getting him, you know, at a relatively cheap price. You know, when you can get him for under ten grand, even though it's, you know, just under it at 9900 I still think that's definitely worth consideration uh, when you think about, the, you know, the lineup that he's going to be going against. Now, Justin Verlander is 9400 same price. Uh, as Cole Hamels here, there's certainly strikeouts to be had in that Minnesota Twins lineup. I mean, heck, if Byron Buxton plays, there's at least three right there just there for go. him. Uh, Miguel Sano is another one that's prone to strike out there. What are your thoughts on Verlander? Not a great outing last time out, but you think the Twins gets him right? Yeah, I th- I, yeah, exactly. The same kind of line of thinking here. For, it was Verlander versus Kluber. I was really expecting a, a, a really nice pitchers duel last time they they were both out and both of them looked a little bit shaky Verlander definitely got rocked in that one but I think the twins uh that strike it that strikeout prone lineup that uh just seems to have some holes in it for the most part you know you you got guys like Dozier and and Snow that are off to good starts but there's just minuses everywhere else in that lineup it seems like so I think that that certainly helps Verlander's cause I know he's going on the road and that can always be kind of a a tricky element to things when you're when you're going after your cash game pitcher, but you know this is a, Min- a Minnesota road game with with Hector Santiago opposing him. So some big time pitchers on the slate today, and some Colorado baseball happening, which is always a tricky thing to do, especially in GPP play, because you got to find some kind of value somewhere. And I'm going to throw out two ideas for you. And I want to hear what you think. Tanner Rourke on the opposite side here, a very strong pitcher, a guy that you real a real good quality start guy. Uh, the Mets offense is very up and down. There's moments where they're very good, moments where they go dormant uh, for stretches. So Tanner Work at 8,300 I look at as a value. And I'll tell you what, 8,200 is still a fair amount. But Jose Quintana to go the opposite end. I mean, Jose Quintana is just such a better pitcher than he's been so far this year in 2017. In GPPs, either of those guys have any value in terms of just going opposite and allowing you a little bit to, you know, not just to be contrarian, but also to allow you to stack some of those Colorado bats or get them at least in your lineup. I think that that's definitely an interesting point you bring up here. And, you know, I think Roark especially stands out to me because, you know, as as much as I agree with you that Quintana just hasn't pitched up to up to where we know he can thus far, uh, that Cleveland lineup hasn't hit to where we know it can thus far. So uh, I think that, you know, something's got to give there. And I kind of give the the edge to to Cleveland's lineup here instead of or. I'm more confident going against them uh, than I would be, you know, Roark, Roark going against the Mets. Cespedes left tonight or left Thursday's game with it was hamstring tightness. They got kind of a short bench right now. So I think Roark uh, does kind of draw that, draw the better matchup between the two of them, even though, you know, they're only a hundred dollars different here, but I, I would give a slight lean to Roark, but I definitely know where you're coming from uh, with the Quintana point. Well, I would imagine at this point too, the confidence level or most fantasy players season long and even DFS wise 
you know, I imagine that's going to keep Quintana's ownership down. So if you're looking, you know, do multiple lineups, I would strongly consider Quintana in one of them because I think there's opportunity there for you to differentiate. All right, are there any pitchers that we're really targeting going against? Anybody stick out to you where you think offensively? I mean, I know it's Colorado, it's Cueto in Colorado, but you know that might be a little bit tougher. But are there anybody else here at the bottom of the slate? Is it Glasnow? Is it Latos? Is it Adelman? Where are you going to uh, look for offense today? Yeah, good. the glass now uh, going against the Yankees, who are who are really starting to swing the bat well. I think that that that's a pitcher that I'm definitely considering stacking against. And you can get some some relatively cheap bats uh, near like the upper third of that Yankees lineup right now. So I'm definitely leaning towards the Yankees. I think that the the uh, Brewers can also give Wainwright some trouble. I just haven't really seen it out of Wainwright to this point in the season. He's had you know he he can uh, you know he's turned in two starts where he has zero points. And six points. I mean, that's got to be a concern for going against a team on the road in the Brewers that, you know, are just mashing everybody right now. And we'll get into some of those options there in a minute. But uh, Wainwright uh, definitely stands out to me in glass now as well as, as far as guys that I'm, I'm targeting batters to use against. All right. Now, catcher's a place where we always look for a good return on investment value. Uh, looking into this group, you've got the guys like Rondal, Contreras, Jet Bandy. All these guys are under 3K. Uh, I mean, even Jonathan Lucroy, who's you know always been a good bat, uh, you know he's down to three thousand dollars. He's had a bad April. JT right. Real Muto once again at San Diego. Boy. I mean, I, I just keep I I feel like I'm just I don't know like I'm repeating myself every time we talk. But I, I mean, he's hitting 350 and he's only 2600. He's got two dingers, seven RBIs on the air. He's going against Trevor Cahill. I mean, just looking for an turn on investment. I look at him as a guy that's not going to kill you. Yeah, you know, he's he's been quiet lately, but, I mean, I'm just looking for catcher not to kill me and not put up a zero. Yeah, exactly, and, you know, with, with that, I think Real Muto certainly fits the bill, and, you know, when we want to look at more expensive batters here, especially, uh, you know, we want to save that catcher so we can load up, you know, elsewhere and still try to, you know, afford one of the higher-priced pitchers tonight, I, I think that, uh, Real Muto ma- makes complete sense. Uh, Grandal stuck out to me a little bit too, going against a right-hander. He tends to hit right-handers a little bit better than he than he does against lefties. Uh, obviously, he gives you a little bit more of that that goose egg potential, but he has at least put up something in each of his last four games here. So uh, there's some reason to be optimistic there. And you only you're only getting him at 2800, and in what's a pretty stacked lineup, and I think uh, could be a p- potentially relatively high-scoring game as well. All right, let's move on to first base and get some of the uh, big-time names off the plate as we continue to look at our Friday slate of DFS. you got Freddie Freeman having a great season, some wet possible weather issues there in Philadelphia, but uh, certainly a very favorable ballpark for Freddie Freeman. Uh, he's at 4,600, the very top of this board, going against Jeremy Hellickson. Uh, Matt Kemp just came back yesterday. I'd imagine if you want to go all the way up to that board, you certainly can say Freddie Freeman, you know, <laughs> is worth that price right now. But oh, yeah. Eric Thames just keeps on hitting home runs, and he's at 39. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when does this Eric Thames train stop? Because I, I don't want to get off of it. I mean, he's got Adam Wainwright at home. I mean, to me, this is going to continue. I, I think the ownership's going to be high. He's going to be chalk. But, I mean, just reading these numbers here on a nightly basis up until even last night, uh, before last night's games, 12, 21, 34, 24, 43, 28, 31 in FanDuel scoring. I mean, Goodness. the guy is just a monster. We're talking we're talking six, seven times value just before he gets in, you know, two at-bats into the game. 
And I, I think he also went yard uh, Thursday as well. So, I mean, that's just a, another one uh, that, that he's Yeah, got. he did. He went yard to, uh, as we're recording this right now for tomorrow. He did. So did Joey Votto too, which is also good to see him shake a little yeah, dust off as well. But can't really love that Lester matchup. But uh, is, is Thames' ownership going to be so high that it sends you off him? Or is there some matter of, hey, sometimes the chalk is good, the chalk is right, and right is where you want to be? I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't mince words with how I feel about going against uh, Wainwright earlier. So I think, you know, I understand that Thames is going to be insanely highly owned, even at 3,900. And I think uh, the Thames, Travis Shaw stack, you know, you're getting the two and four hitters, and then maybe you can fit Braun in there as well. Uh, that's a stack that's going to be pretty popular Friday night, but I think it's one that, that is going to pay off across the board. I, I really don't see uh, where, where these guys are going to struggle to figure out Wainwright at this point. Are there any values at first pace for you if you really don't want to go and pay up for that top group? Is it, uh, I know Greg Bird's been bad, but he does have the, you know, the young pitcher coming into Yankee Stadium there. Is it Mike Napoli against Nate Carnes? Is there anybody uh, down the bottom of that first base board who pops out to you at all? Or uh, is it really just pay up for first base tonight? Mostly I'm going to be paying up for, for, for Thames uh, or, or some of the other highly priced guys. I, I don't really see, like, I'm going to have to make, six or seven lineups to really kind of dip into this end of the pool here. But uh, I mean, Gonzalez is always a guy that you can, can kind of just uh, give you a workman, like, you know, nine points or something like that. Uh, Bird, obviously, like you mentioned, and like we mentioned, just going against Glasnow, uh, that's something that's encouraging. Plus he draws a platoon split there. So, I mean, Bird has more, more of an upside, I would say, uh, but he, he's a riskier play that, than Gonzalez. But I, I think in general, I think most people are going to be paying for, uh, the, the higher price guys at first base. And, you know, I think it makes sense in this, in this context. Now going over to the third base, uh, a guy that's now joined this elite group of third basemen in terms of price and performance has been Jose Ramirez. So if you're buying into Kluber and you're going against Carl, uh, Jose Quintana in your mind, and you still don't like him to turn around, if you're not on that bandwagon with me and you're on that Island, Jose Ramirez for the last seven games or so, another guy just tearing the cover off the ball, couple of home runs in the last 10 games he's got three home runs he's got some steals in there he's basically another great all-round point getter for 4k is that appropriate I mean right now when you're looking at this third base you've seen guys like Machado <laughs> he's slid down to 3700 right now is it more of an opportunity to go with a guy like a struggling Machado against uh, the lefty with Pomeranz or would you rather go the other route and pay up for the, the floor of what Ramirez has been giving you I think Machado has been so bad. It, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Showalter gave him the night off on, on Friday. When, wow. You know, once people are listening to this Friday afternoon, it honestly wouldn't shock me at this point and just get like Ryan Flaherty and that bad because Machado looks completely lost for the most part, made a uh, base running gaffe on Thursday night as well. Uh, so I, I think that Ramirez is probably closer to worth that price tag right now uh, than, than Machado, even though he's 300 less. I think Ramirez, he is just so solid across the board. You know, you're not expecting a, a two or three home run game from him, but you're expecting him to get on base and get extra base hits and, and you know, come around to score. And especially if Quintana still doesn't have it on Friday night, I think he's, he could definitely be worth that 4,000 price tag. I'm also looking at Chase Headley at 3,600, just, just getting in, more in that part of the the top part of that Yankees order against Glass now. So Headley at thirty six hundred. If you if you're going for that kind of thirty eight to thirty five hundred tier, Headley would be my guy. 
Well, Headley's been terrific. I mean, it's it's hard to argue right now what he's doing. It, it's as shocking as it is. I mean, a guy like Chase Headley, who last year in April this time we were talking about, is he ever going to drive in a run this month? <laughs> and now it's a guy hitting well over 300 all of a sudden and just, you know, spraying the ball all over the place. Just it's crazy the difference a year can make for a player. All right, exactly. let's move over to second base, which has typically been – you know, one of the better depth positions so far, uh, Jose Altuve, top of the board, 4,200, Brian Dozier, 37. Altuve, zero home run still. Uh, so that's just something to keep an eye on. That's not going to last forever. That power is going to come back. Uh, but I got to say, you know, whenever you get DJ LeMahieu in Colorado and he's only 3,600, I know it's Johnny Cueto and he's a tough out and all, but I mean, I love LeMahieu in that ballpark. He was so good there last year. Mm-hmm. I know it's righty-righty and all that, but sometimes you just got to go, especially with Murphy not being 100% and Forsyth uh, dealing with his issues. Second base, which was very deep all of a sudden, you know, Dozier against Verlander is really some – you got to basically find out where to go. Yeah, and, and, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, do you want Cesar Hernandez at that same price you're getting LeMahieu at Coors? And the answer, you know, even if he's if Hernandez is going against, I guess, Bartolo Colon, Colon yeah. um, you know, I'd still, I'd still give the edge to LeMahieu just because, you know, those games at, at Coors can absolutely get out of hand. And, you know, especially between the, the Giants and the Rockies, they've had some just outrageous games out there uh, over the last year. So I, I definitely agree with you where LeMahieu uh, really kind of jumped out at first glance as far as uh, these, this, this crop of second baseman. And, uh, you know, conversely, like Altuve, just not off to that start that you want, you know, and you're not going to pay 3600 for Joe Panic. Like it, it's, you know, understandable he gets a chorus bump, but like I said, no, it's, that's crazy. No, same price as LeMahieu. That's just that's just dumb. There's a couple guys if you want to fade those uh, that LeMahieu, uh, which is you know high ownership probably because of the price. If you want to go a little bit less, uh, there's a couple guys out there. I like the matchups. I like Brad Miller's matchup. I like Rugnit Odor at home, uh, looking just for the home run there. And you know we talk about the Yankees, but Sarlin Castro has been another guy who you know. Castro's been pretty good. I mean, it's 368 right now, mm-hmm. three home runs, 10 RBIs on the year. Castro, to me, is a guy that uh, certainly not going to kill you. Uh, heading into Thursday's action, he's had uh, 20 or more points two of the last three outings, and he's got Glasnow, who's you know, gonna be a fastball pitcher, is going to try to challenge him, and Castro so far has been up to the challenge this year. Yeah, and he's been hitting four or five over the last week, so you imagine that that'll continue as long as the Yankees are clicking, so you're getting him right in the heart of the order. And over to the shortstop side, we have Francisco Lindor, top of this board. No shock there, 4,200. Brandon Crawford in Colorado at 39. Now, how much appeal does Brandon Crawford have for you in this game? Uh, I mean, he's, he's a very solid player. He's a guy that I, I usually like getting when, he, when he's more closer to like the low 3,000s, high 2,000s. I think that's, that's more of, of where you feel comfortable paying up for him because he's just not uh, the home run threat. And obviously, you're not necessarily looking for that at your shortstop position, but, you know, looking down the board a little bit, um, you know, you got a guy like Corey Seager sitting at 3,500, you know, obviously the park factor is in Crawford's favor, or if you wanted to go higher and go for Lindor against, against Quintana, I couldn't blame you, but. Well, I, the park factor for Corey Seager is equally good. That's I true. mean, he's a lefty facing a righty, a Taiwan Walker, a guy who's had trouble getting out of the fifth inning so far this year. And you're going to get some Arizona bullpen work in there. Uh, so good. And that's always good. So I'm looking at Corey Seager at 35 and I'm thinking he's a much better play than, uh, than Brandon Crawford for the 39. Yes. 
Absolutely. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you get them for 400 less against, you know, in a, in a ballpark that quietly kind of, or maybe not so quietly, but it has almost as many home runs per year as cores lately since the humidor and all that was introduced. Yeah, we got to get one of those humidors in some of these other balls. Where's the humidor in Cincinnati and some of these other ballparks where the ball flies out to? <laughs> uh, baseball is clearly here, and don't get stranded out on first base without a Rotowire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one FanDuel account. That's FanDuel.com slash rotowire all right so we've done our infield we've gotten through the pitchers let's go to the outfield and you've highlighted a guy that i just finished talking about on fantasy radio and uh i think he bears witness right now and that's steven souza who's been leading off playing good uh right now a guy a couple years ago was the hot sleeper if you will in -hmm. many leagues and he was incredibly disappointing had trouble making contact struck out a ton but now, all of a sudden, Steven Souza has, you know, been pretty darn good in the month of April. He's had some big outings, and more importantly, the bad outings haven't crushed you. The bad outings have been somewhere around 9, 15 points. Only two goose eggs so far uh, in the last 10-plus games. So you're talking about a guy who is putting points up consistently, and for 3000 certainly he's going to return value there, right? Absolutely, yeah. He's he's my favorite amongst the, amongst these uh, value outfielders, and I really like the matchup going against a guy like Mike Fires. That um, you know, occasionally he can be brilliant. Obviously, he has a no hitter under his belt, but uh, he can also get absolutely lit up sometimes. And I think that this this could be one of those scenarios where where you know I don't think that whole Tampa lineup is is going to be able to blow him up, but I think Souza, if there is one Ray right now that that you'd want to to play for daily purposes, it's definitely Souza at only three thousand. All right, now one other guy I want to talk about because John Lester's on the mound, and whenever John Lester's on the mound, you know, one thing is sure, he's going to have a hard time throwing the ball to first base. In fact, he's not going to throw the ball to first base. Is this a night where Billy Hamilton's ownership is through the roof? And if it is, is he still worth it? Boy, uh, yeah, that is a tough one. I think you could you could almost downshift. You'd have to go to the infield to get him, but uh, Peraza, you know, has almost as many steals as Hamilton. Uh, he's also a pretty nice bargain as far as the price, and he he's a guy that can also scare Lester and you know get kind of get him off his game. I think Hamilton is the obvious choice whenever you know a a Lester matchup uh, is in play for the Red going against the Reds. Um, so I do imagine that that ownership being sneaky high, you know, higher than it's been. Uh, over the course of the week when, you know, Hamilton's been producing reasonably well over the course of the week. So uh, I'm probably staying off of him because because he's going to be so highly owned in GPPs uh, relative to some of these other guys. But uh, Peraza, I would like at second base. Is there, I mean, what, I mean, with a guy like John Lester, I'm, I'm almost speechless about this because it just blows my mind. When you have a guy like Lester, who's such an accomplished pitcher, right? We're talking Major League Baseball. We're talking a guy who's won multiple World Series. We're talking a guy who's had tons of playoff pressure experience. He's gotten to a point in his career where he can't throw the ball to first base and keep a runner on. And he's left-handed. Like, it's, like right. that's, a, like, that's yeah, the it's thing. Like, it's not like to turn around and have a, like, a nice pickoff it's move. It's not like, right, it's not like a lefty has to do anything practically to to keep a guy at least honest 
And I mean, when you see that, like, does it just make you want to die inside? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it really boggled my mind. I guess it, one of his first starts for, for the Cubs, you know, and it was like, yeah, he just doesn't know how to throw over to first base. And now he's in the NL. And now he's in big trouble. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see it in action. You're like, I, I literally don't believe this. Yeah, it's just it's just mind blowing there. All right, let's take a look at the rest of the outfield board here. We'll start at the top where Mike Trout's always there, forty nine hundred. Bryce Harper, by the way, is you know been on quite a little hot streak himself so far. He's averaging twenty points over in FanDuel. Uh, he's got Jacob Degrom in this one. He's hitting over four hundred, six home runs, eighteen RBIs. Uh, I mean, I know Degrom is a great pitcher, but if you're going to go up to the top of the board, it's kind of hard right now. I mean, Bryce Harper at 48, or you like Charlie Blackman at 43 in cores. Which way would you go? Save the 500, or would you spend up the 500 to go with the hot uh, Bryce Harper? I think I'd I'd probably give the lean to to Harper here. Uh, you know, uh, Cueto pitched so well against against the Rockies recently, but obviously that's out in San Francisco. But Harper, you know, when he's on, he's he's arguably the best hitter on the planet. So. Uh, and he's certainly on right now, and I don't think that necessarily is going to slow down. I think he's going to know that he's going to need to kind of carry that offense against DeGrom when, it, when it's as banged up as it is right now. So I think Harper uh, should be worth it, and maybe the DeGrom factor will scare some people off of him and drive his uh, ownership uh, percentage down a little bit more than you might think. How about Mookie Betts? He's got a matchup against Alec Asher. Uh, maybe this entire Red Sox team is in play. Ben Attendee as well. Uh, ben Attendee is, is one worth discussing too. You know, I was watching uh, Ben Attendee at bat the other night in Toronto, and I got to say, I'm just, I'm very impressed with his at bats, which I know doesn't sound like a very exciting thing to say. You know, oh, we're very impressed with Aaron Judge's power or, you know, this guy's speed. But Andrew Ben for a young player knows how to take an at bat. And I, I'm very impressed with that. And I think when you're looking for players with floor at 3,500, who are going to be safe return on investments. I mean, this is a guy that's just getting you points every night, you know, multiple hits. He can score runs. He can drive in runs. He's got a little bit of speed too. I mean, he's only got one home run on the year so far. I don't power is really his strong suit at the stage in his career, but right. I look at Ben Intendi as another guy. It's a good matchup for him. Lefty righty. Uh, I'm looking at him as a, a potential must start in terms of lineup builder. Dang, I, I didn't know you were going to drop the must start there, but I, I mean, you certainly make a good case for him. And uh, Benintendi is a guy I have several shares of in, in season long. He, he he is really impressive. He's a, he's a really patient guy, and he doesn't take the dumb swings that we usually see, you know, first year major, major leaguers take. Um, so you know, he definitely makes sense, and he hits in, hits in a really nice part of that lineup. Uh, Asher only has one start under his belt on the year. He looked actually very good uh, during that start. I I was pretty shocked by that, but I think the Red Sox <laughs> So had, was Alec Asher. Yeah, he was like, hey, look at that. But, like, wow, uh, I can pitch in the big leagues. Look at me, Mom. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, an outing against the Blue Jays uh, at this stage is a lot different than going against uh, the Red Sox. And, you know, it's going to be in Camden Yards here. So I definitely – couldn't blame you if, if uh, you know, you, you went away from the, from the stacks against glass now or Wainwright. Uh, Asher's probably close to the top of the board as far as guys that, that will be stacked against uh, tonight. All right. Now, if Ben Intendi is kind of like the safe option, there's the roll of the dice, which is Aaron Judge, where he's either 30 points or he's zero. He's not in Yankee Stadium. He's got glass now. Uh, would you go for $3,500? I mean, is, is Aaron Judge the GPP guy and is Ben Intendi – the cash game is as simple as that, or is there a favor for you, where one way or another, more towards Aaron Judge because of that power upside that he offers? 
Oh, wow. That is, that is a really uh, good dynamic here because that they really are the, the definition of, of cash versus, versus GPP here. So, you know, if you, if you really are going all in on the Yankees against Glasnow, which I imagine people will be doing, Judge, you know, certainly fits the bill. He, don't really love where he hits in the lineup some of the time, but, you know, I think he's going to have guys on base in front of him and, you know, one swing of the bat and two guys on base and he's, he's already got value for you and then some. So yeah, he's certainly an entertaining thought uh, for, for your GPPs. And then you're probably not going to Ellsbury as much in GPPs because he doesn't have quite the upside and he's only a hundred dollars less. So yeah, no, that is really interesting. A dynamic you bring up with Ben and kind of just being like, Right. Ben, it's funny. They both average about the same points. It's just how they get them. Mm-hmm. You know, like if Ben Intendi is the safe 15, Judge is the zero or the 35. Like he's just, it's just, he, and, and that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to make sure you choose those matchups very carefully. I think in Yankee Stadium, I like him a little bit more just because sure. that ballpark's so tiny. But look, power like that travels anywhere, but we all know there's swing and miss in Aaron Judge's game. And I think you have to know what kind of DFS player you are and what kind of risk you want to take and how many lineups you're going to you know, be running out there. And if it's only one and you're playing cash games, I think Benintendi is just the smarter play. There's another Absolutely. guy at 3,400 I want to touch on too is Kevin Kiermeyer, who's also over his last seven games been very strong as well. Uh, Kiermeyer with another good lefty-righty matchup here against Michael Fires, and uh, maybe not getting it done so much in the power department, but certainly another guy who's getting his two hits every night and putting points up on the board. So what are your thoughts on Kiermaier in this one? He's got a run scored, by the way, in one, two, three, four, five, six of his last uh, seven games. Yeah, if, he, if he's hitting, you know, behind Souza and Souza gets on base, and, you know, that that's obviously – that gives him a little bit of RBI potential in addition to that, to that run scored potential because, he, you know, he's a guy that, the, you know, if he gets to second base – uh, he can he can easily come around to score on just you know any sort of routine base hit. He's got that kind of uh, speed and just sort of base running acumen. He just knows what he's doing out there. So uh, he, you know I think you bring up the the stat that matters here is that he's just simply just scoring runs right now. He's got like a very nice floor and he's making contact. He's batting close to 300 after kind of a slowish uh, like first week of the season. Uh, obviously. Like you said, not not looking to him for your power, but uh, he's a guy that that brings a nice floor thanks to his thanks to his speed. All right, so we got Milwaukee with Thames and Shaw red hot right now, both still moderately priced, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Back to the Colorado guys, real fast. Story at thirty nine hundred. When do you buy back in, or is it just not worth it? I mean, we mentioned some of those guys at short of pretty decent value. Is Story worth buying back in on at that price? It's not getting a discount for it, that's for sure. No, yeah, exactly. You're, you're really not getting a discount. And I think he, uh, the night that they were going against Kershaw this week, he was at like 2,600. And even then I was like, eh, do I still want to play story? Uh, you know, he's just, he's been so hit or miss so far this year. And unlike judge where, where like, you're starting to see it come into play a little bit more. Uh, I haven't seen, I felt like story has kind of looked lost to start this season. So 3,900, I, I'm completely off Trevor story. All right. Last one here. I know you got a dark horse, for everybody in the pitching category at San Diego, it's Adam Conley. Not a big strikeout guy, but you're looking for the quality start. You think you're going to get it out of Conley? Uh, I think absolutely. You know, when you look at that Padres lineup, when you, when you look outside of uh, Margot and, and Myers and then the occasional Schimpf 
kind of gets a hold of one. Otherwise, he's going to strike out a bunch, uh, especially against a left-hander in Conley. So, you know, you're not really expecting a huge K output here. You know, maybe five or six over six innings would be a bit, like an excellent one uh, for him. But, you know, the Padres are 24th in the majors in uh, weighted on base, and it's it's a bad 24th. I mean, they're, they're 264 weighted on base, you know, when the, when the average is supposed to be around uh, 300. So that, that kind of shows you how, how much they've struggled against lefties. And I think, you know, on the other side, I, I like the Marlins' chances of getting the win here on the road going against Trevor Cahill. So I, I think that there's just going to be some run support for Conley. I think the quality start is certainly in play, and I think the win is more in play than, than most people think. And, you know, you, you really – if you're not getting the strikeouts and you need that quality start and win combo, and I think Conley can go ahead and get it for you. Great stuff, John. I mean, that's going to be a, a fun night to play fantasy, I'm sure. I'm, I'm ready for this one. I'm all in on this late. I was in a couple nights ago on Amir Garrett. I was in on Severino. So far, we've been uh, we've been knocking this out of the park here. So I hope you've been listening. And if you're just getting to this game right now, where you been? We've been doing this now for the last couple of weeks. You should be here with us every day for the Rotowire DFS podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, uh, at Johnny McKex. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Pizapia 17 For John McKechnie, I'm Joey P. Joe Pizapia. Have a great day of Daily Fantasy.